0: All right, welcome back everyone. Hello, welcome back. And today it is not just me and Mona, your humble host taking you through another amazing podcast. We have got someone on the show that I'll let Mona do the introductions to. It's actually our first guest, so I'm very excited. First guest
1: (laughs) for Virtual Wisdom. This is my very good friend, Josh. Hi, Josh.
2: G'day guys, how's everyone going today?
0: But good we are yeah. good we are amazing so basically today's topic is about financial advice um this is an area of which me Sabrina I have no idea about i don't, i don't know nothing and so this is why me and mona have been discussing over the last few weeks cuz mona has been getting a bit more knowledge and doing a bit more courses doing a few more courses about um, I don't even know what called index funds yep. and and, um, investing. and investing. And yeah. I was like, oh my god, what's this? And then she's like, You should speak to Josh. And I was like, Yep, let's bring him on the podcast because yeah. he's got such a wealth of knowledge to share. And we are so grateful to have him on today to give you some general advice to help you with things around financial. Stuff. You see, this is my literature. I don't even know anything about this sort of stuff. So I'm going to be sitting back a little bit more and just asking really basic questions. And Josh and Mona have got some really awesome information to go through with you guys. Yeah. yeah. So
1: um, thanks for that. That was a nice little intro. Um, basically, Josh and I, so let's just talk a little bit about how we know each other. So we go way back to law school.
2: Yeah, Basically, so we started.
1: 2008 is when we met. So. What? Yeah, That's yeah. So we met. in a while. Yeah, about 12 years, I think, 12 years. Oh, well, yeah. you know,
2: 20 take 8 equals 12. So yep. yeah, probably <laughs> You're the
1: math enough. expert, not me. Close enough. <laughs> so Sorry. yeah, so Josh and I, we go way back and um, he was studying uh, law with finance and I was studying yep. law with accounting. So we had a lot of mutual units that we were doing together. And so yeah, so Josh, basically fast forward, um, we both graduated. I graduated from law. Josh graduated with his degree as well, but then he went on to become a financial advisor. So do you want to talk a little bit about what got you into that sector?
2: Okay, so basically what happened is that I sent out my letters to every single law firm Didn't really care which law firm I went into, and I got absolutely none of them back due to my academics not being so great in law. But... My mics are really, really good in commerce, and I was checking out like you know, basically job offers and stuff like that. And I got really into financial advice because I, you know, I've been I've been investing in the stock market. I had some ANZ shares, had some uh, mining shares as well.
0: And how old were you yeah. when you were doing all this? Uh,
2: I was like twenty three or twenty four. So you wow. just
0: investing. Wow! How did you even find out about this stuff?
2: Um, basically, this is. I know everyone on the radio is going to hear Comsec. You know like get Comsec report. Yeah. I got and also when I set up late, so I used to set up to like you know 1 or two AM because I also game as well. Um, Love
1: it.
2: You got the late news. You know the late news, oh. and they had the Comsec guy on, and oh, I was like, okay, gosh. I'll go in there. And also through my studies at uni, I think it was my last year, we had like investment analysis, so we went okay. we went into analyze like Telstra and Commonwealth Bank, okay. which are you know companies in Australia.
1: What subject was this for?
2: This was for investment analysis. Oh, I never It's like, did a, that it's like a last year kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the only topic I did for accounting was principles of finance, and that was it.
2: okay, yeah,
1: <laughs> didn't go beyond that.
2: <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's, that's you know basic subject. Basically, it was very basic. Yeah. It 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 gives you like you know it's a, most be might be advanced for some of your viewers, but it gives you like the building blocks of how mm-hmm. everything's valued mm. in the share market which we'll yeah. talk about later.
1: Like, I still feel like I know nothing when it comes to the investment side of things, you know. Doing a unit like that at uni, mm. I suppose, would have given you that introductory into that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, a lot of people who do, like, there's such thing called day trading where they trade companies yeah. every day yeah. on the ASX. Yeah, I'll explain this a bit later for you guys in the background, but they study all these ratios.
1: But that sounds highly risky, though, isn't it, day trading? It sounds oh, a bit like yeah. gambling. Oh, yeah,
2: It can be. can be. Like, you're basically, well you're backing top-tier companies, but it can be considered gambling at times as well because you're going off the information the market provides out and you're speculating whether it's going to go up on this information yeah. or go down.
1: Because, I mean, you're looking at the average rate of return, right? Mm-hmm. And But if you're doing it daily, you're not really getting that accumulation of the average. You're just getting that daily spike or yeah. daily increase. Yes, yeah. Yeah that does sound a little bit risky, but yeah. So, well, that's good. Well, that's good to know. So now, what are you doing now?
2: So, at the moment, I'm a financial planner at IMA Financial Services. So, I'm an authorised rep. So, I'm allowed to give individual advice. Obviously, everything today is going to be general advice in nature. So, basically, like most, like, this podcast or discussion is going to be, you know, of the basics. And essentially, like, you don't really need to know the terms. You just need to be able to do it. Yeah. Like you can call it whatever you want. Like mm-hmm. when Sabrina said earlier, yeah, uh-huh. I have no idea about the terms, you don't need to know the terms. Right. You just need to put a plan in action.
0: Yeah.
2: And basically plan your expenses, plan your income, yeah. plan what you're gonna and do with your savings.
1: And I think that's kind of the blockage for a lot of people. Yeah, because it is they for look me. at the words, even for me, and yeah. I go, that just sounds so
0: complicated. I'm like, what is this?
2: This is the funny thing. Fifty-six percent of people regret not budgeting. About 72%, I don't know it's not 72%, it's actually 90%. Budgeting is the most important thing, and it is the most important.
0: Wow. What do you think it is that stops people from budgeting properly?
2: It's because when you go through your bank statements, that's one thing mm-hmm. that you just get, you know, you just be like, I need this, no, I need that. It's trying to decide between your needs and your wants. Uh-huh.
0: That's so true. And I also know. at
2: the same time as well, yeah. there's also another thing called, like, income. Oh, I'm trying to figure out what it's called. But when you get more income, you spend more oh
1: i know what that's oh called my God. Um, i read about that um it's like you could have like a million dollars of income but you'd end up spending it all
2: okay. yeah basically as your income goes up your expenses go up and yep. what you need to do like this is kind of hard because i also fall into it as well like even myself as a pro financial advisor yeah i've into that as well that like you got to like really keep on top of your expenses
0: wow so it's like you have to remind yourself every day almost this is coming into my pt brain like what it is that you've set out to do your budgeting and look at it almost every day and remind yourself like you've got to stick to this. You can't get carried away with when you start yeah. earning more and your bank numbers go up, yep. oh, I'm going to go spend it on something every other You need to stay really consistent in understanding what it is that you've done budget-wise and why you've done it and, and just like keep to it. That's a really good point. And also live below
1: your means. Mm. Like I've only just started learning this concept now is that even if you have a certain lifestyle, you don't necessarily have to spend all of that money to upkeep that particular, you know, you can live below your means and use that money wisely in other areas and actually have a pretty, you know, a pretty good investment strategy.
0: Absolutely. And less is more in life. When you get to a point where you're, being a bit more scarce or smart with your money, you start to do things that bring you so much more joy and happiness because you're just going out and doing things that are really cheap or don't cost any money. And it's like that is living, you know, so you actually start to enjoy life a little bit more instead of spending heaps of money on stuff that's materialistic or doesn't serve much purpose because you've got it, you know, got the money there, so you spend it. Yeah. Cool. That's a really good idea. Yeah, that's
2: what generally Mm. happens as well. People see like, oh, I've got 40 grand in my account. And they aim, aim to spend it as quickly as possible. Really,
1: That's so scary. Yeah.
2: So wow. the, f- the things what I did to combat that for like myself
1: mm.
2: is that when I was saving for my property, which I have well, which I have in a unit now, two bedroom unit, mm. is that I basically put it to share market. Didn't look at it, didn't touch it. Like I only looked at it once a month. Yeah. And basically, what happens is that I'd put like you know I basically calculate my expenses over Fortnite, which is about $700, $800, like daily expenses, not including like, you know, health insurance, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I paid $1,000 into my Macquarie account, like my savings account. Mm -hmm. And then once it got high enough and I felt the market was right, I, you know, bought some shares.
1: I think one of the things that I've learned in all of this is that if you've got cash and you've been in savings, I think one of the first things you have to do is start paying off debt right? You want to start removing that debt that mm. you've got. Maybe it could be a loan or a credit card or something yeah. like that. M- m-
2: most people do have like the biggest debt is their mortgage.
1: Yeah. And a house? For a house yeah. or
2: for a property. Okay. Yeah. And then the second biggest debt is credit card. So there's mm. such thing as a debt ranking of which debt you pay off yeah. first, which is generally the one that's not deductible and high interest rate, which is always, always, always credit cards.
0: Whoa.
2: Credit cards are like personal loans. So if you I, don't pay it off. I don't
1: even have a credit card. Well, that's I, I've a good refused start. to get one for this very reason. Mm. It's a
2: good start because most credit it's a
1: temptation. It is most credit cards <laughs> have
2: a pay free area, and that's how they draw you and Like you don't have to pay interest for sixty days, but if you don't pay the interest or pay it off, it's like a fifteen percent interest rate. It is rate.
0: huge.
1: Mm, and, that's stupid, and
2: yeah. it's not deductible either. Yeah. So
1: I've been so close to getting a credit card, and then every time I think to myself, I just. No, I'm just like, if I don't have the money, I'm not gonna do
0: it. Yeah, that's a good mentality to have. <laughs> wow. So you, you reckon debt, like the biggest the biggest problem with debt is the is the credit card.
2: Oh, it's the highest interest rate. This is what you call a debt ranking. It it's goes like credit card. Like
0: twenty percent.
2: Credit card you pay off first. Yeah. Then you got next, which is your motor vehicle loan. And this is a lot of people yeah. get stuck on as they buy a motor vehicle, let's just say a Mercedes, yeah. and they buy it via a loan, is that they're paying 8% in interest, maybe even higher potentially, it but it could be lower now due to the interest rate coming down. Mm. They're paying, let's just say eight percent mm. for an asset that yeah. depreciates, depreciates over time.
1: Exactly. So so certain assets appreciate, like you've got property that appreciates. You've got mm. possibly investments in stock markets. Which basically means that what? the return of the rate of return increases over, over time. time. Yeah. Um the value increases over time. Yeah. So property has well. I don't know ideally it increases over time yeah. but a car depreciates in value the minute mm. you drive it out yeah yeah it's like boom yeah. huge huge money that gets knocked off it That's
0: so so true
1: and you're it? paying that eight percent on the initial car value yeah that and then you drive out
0: and it's probably 10 grand less like this is why we should all just have junk cars <laughs> I mean. because, like, or second hand yeah. or whatever it's, I, I don't know I, I just see so many people go out and buy cars that they don't have the money for, and then they're in debt for the next 10 years because they want a, a 30 40 pretty 50 thousand dollar car much. you know and then by the time that they want a new car it's like they've just finished paying the old car off and then they get a new car and they're still in debt so it's yeah. like they're never getting ahead
1: yeah so we did this calculation last week remember when you came to my house we did that luxury car calculation yeah, on my computer yeah. so we basically got 27 grand let's say i went ahead and bought a car for 27 grand yeah. instead of buying that car full went that money and I invested that in stock market mm. and you saw the
0: return over 30 years. It was ridiculous. It was
1: It was like over a million dollars. Oh, it was way more and than that. And I was that. like, it was, it's like whoa. three,
0: <laughs> three. It was, it was so much. It was a lot of
1: money because this, and this is one of the questions that we wanted to ask you today. Yeah. The beauty of compound interest. What is compound what interest? What is
0: this?
2: Okay. So a lot of people may have heard of compounding from various things like compounding, compounding. What is it? Okay. So compounding is this, it works both ways, okay? It's basically the return on your investment being reinvested. So that's how compounding works. So let's just say you own like a property, for example, and you get like five grand a week, okay? That's kind of crazy prices, you know, you invest that five grand a week into, let's just say Telstra, for example, a company. So that's how compounding interest works, is where you reinvest it into other areas or reinvest into a property, give it a renovation or, you know, an extra room extension, basically, to earn more income. Mm. So that five grand could become maybe 6.5, you know, later on down the track. Also as well, I want to bring it back to actually I'll talk about it, but it also works the other way as well. So with your debt, your Mm. debt also compounds if you don't pay it off.
0: Oh, my God, that's so true.
2: So do you get 8% that 8% gets 8% on it as well. And it keeps going on and goes the other direction. Like a lot of people talk about the positive part about it, but you also got to talk about the negative part about it as well to realize that people get their eyeballs into debt and they can't dig themselves out of it. Like one example is the credit card and the, and the motor vehicle for personal assets. If you've got, you know, let's say a ute or pickup truck that you're yeah. going to loan off your business, um, it's generally tax deductible. Of course, go to your account to check. But, you know, people use it for work, like who just tradies, plumbers and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, it's probably good to get a loan on those sure. kind of vehicles because you're going to be using it for your business yeah. and yeah, you're going to generate income. Yeah. But for personal motor vehicles, generally, you just try to stay clear of it. Interesting. But yeah, that's how compounding works. Like for motor vehicles and credit cards, that fifteen mm-hmm. percent is going to earn another fifteen percent if you don't pay it off.
0: Yeah.
2: And yeah. I think there was one case where this old lady would take a nine hundred sixty-one years to
0: yeah.
2: repay her credit card on the lowest like possible rate. It's just like.
1: And and I've heard these horror stories of like old grandmas in yeah. their eighties that have been paying off car loans of like a thousand dollars since like nineteen ninety. Huh? Why? Because of the debt it just accumulates, like exactly what Josh said. Yep.
0: So that's all that they can afford is just paying the bare minimum off. Literally.
1: Well, if they can't if not not making the repayments, yeah. then it gets like what Josh said, uh, it gets compounded. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, and plus if you uh, add in inflation. That yeah. $1,000 that they might have had to pay off in 1990 is a whole lot more in 2020. Compared, yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: and, that's, and this is where compounding really takes effect. We've talked a lot about the negative, but the positive side, like if you get 5% on your 5% income yep. and then you can really, you know, your initial like $1,000 investment or $5,000 investment mm-hmm. could go to like a hundred, two hundred thousand, 200000 as long as you reinvest it yeah. consistently over and over again. I know that doesn't sound realistic because I know it isn't because people, you know, they've got one-off things that happens and stuff like that. But that's how it kind of works, how compounding works, is that allows you to have those that asset available for that one off thing and then you can build it once again.
1: So Sabrina and I did this example when she was at mine, um, about the coffee.
0: Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, um, this is stupid. I was as trying well. to teach her
1: about compound interest and I yeah. was like, so if I say four dollars a day and invest that money, I'm literally gonna have like it feels like three hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Something like yeah, that over, over the next 30 years. Yeah. If I just forwent that coffee and I invested that regularly into, every day yeah, like $60 a month you know into an investment yeah. account
0: so that's phenomenal numbers it's crazy yeah. what is an investment account can we talk about this yeah so so when you're talking about investing it's like okay yeah. that sounds cool where do you even start with that because to me I'm like what what
2: Okay, let's go through to five classical asset classes. Beautiful. There's there's about twenty asset classes that I don't want to so bore many. you guys in here <laughs> just, for. Yeah, okay. But there's cash. So cash is basically your bank account, your savings, your term deposits. Okay. Then you've got fixed interest, which is basically your bonds. A bonds uh, there's a thing called hybrids as well. And it's just basically, you know, fixed rate bonds where you get paid to fix them out, variable rate, which goes by the cash.
0: And where do you put that in the bank or
2: basically bonds you buy them? There's a lot of uh, bond managers which you can invest into because bonds are like an old-style investment where people sell debt. So bonds are effectively debt. Let's say, for example, like BHP wants to raise money because they need to build a new iron ore mine to please the BHP shareholders. Um, They'll be like, okay, so I want to raise debt and basically people buy it. So sometimes banks buy it and BHP pay them a specific rate.
1: So would it be that mm. uh, that we're financing their loan? Is that how it is? Yeah, it can be sometimes. Much, yeah,
2: like yeah. for one example, the hybrid investment. Basically, banks will basically you can lend money to the banks, okay. and the banks will pay a, a fixed a rate of interest oh. for it. Like for one of the hybrids, like at the moment, like they sometimes fixed margins can be between three point six to four percent. But of course, a hybrid still like an um. We'll, we'll get into that other part later. But the next one is property. So property extends to commercial residential infrastructure. They all have their own little quirks and uh, features and residentials, you know, basically have to deal with a tenant, same with commercial as well, but Mm -hmm. more business-like and infrastructure is just based like, you know, oil pipelines, electricity generation and stuff like that. So that's generally all into direct property. Yeah. So there's direct, there's also like, you know, property managers like Stockland and uh, Westfield, stuff like that. You can invest directly into them Mm -hmm. and they manage you know other stuff. Um, next up is Australian equities or referred – generally referred to as domestic equities if you're listening overseas. So basically your own local stock market. In Australia, we have the ASX, and that's where, like, you know, most Australian companies do trade. Like, they trade on the ASX, mm-hmm. and that's generally known as the Australian Stock Exchange. And the last asset class is international equities. So basically shares overseas. Generally, like, you know, it's, it's your Johnson & Johnson, your uh, – what's other uh, – Amazon, Facebook – um, Samsung, all those companies that are overseas, okay, mm-hmm. that are not in Australia. Um, there are a few of them that also trade here as well. And there's also a few, like this is kind of intermingled, there's a few Australian listed that also work overseas. One example is BHP and Rio Tinto. Rio Tinto's headquarters is in London oh. and BHP also is listed on the American Stock Exchange. It's listed on uh, the Dow Jones, which is an index in America. It's the main index for everything America. And Australia has their own index as well. They have the all ordinaries. You may hear that on the late night news. Yeah. That's every single Australian company. Then you might hear of the ASX three hundred. That's the top three hundred Australian companies. And then it's ASX two hundred. These are these are indexes of yeah. all these companies. In so here. I wanted
1: to ask you about that. Like I wanted to ask you about index funds. Yeah. And investing in index funds because, like me, like somebody like me, I just don't have either the time or the interest or the energy to go and research every company. Yeah. And under, every yeah. three hundred companies that are on, on yeah. the ASX, and learn about which ones are possibly. the the better ones or the the best ones or or whatever. I just don't Mm -hmm. have that time or energy. And if you're like me, you don't have that time or energy. A really good option would be an index fund. Yeah. So maybe just explain what that is and how to get invested into an index fund.
2: Okay, there's multiple ways like this. Like it's not like one way, there's multiple different investment instruments to do what you want to do. So index funds is one, basically there's listed index funds, which is on the Australian stock exchange. Um, Generally, the term listed means that it's on the ASX, Mm -hmm. and there's unlisted funds referred to as managed funds. Right. So...
1: Uh, Oh, before, actually, before, sorry, I forgot to... What is exactly an index fund? Because I'm sure there are people out there that don't know what Uh, it is.
2: So generally, these index funds, what they are is that basically it's everyone pulling their money together. So like people who are interested in that common asset or that common index. So for example, the index is the common thing. As I said before, the ASX 200 is an index. Yeah. Now let's just say if people want to invest in the top two hundred shares, so they so basically on their own, let's just say they have five thousand dollars, they can't do that because the minimum transaction is five hundred bucks, and you can't replicate the ASX two hundred in a five thousand dollar portfolio right. without incurring significant costs. That makes it a poor investment. Yeah. For example, usual brokerage is about twenty dollars for every transaction. Okay. So your five thousand dollar investment would be gone if you did try to replicate everything. Right. So what they do is um giant fund managers, generally one of them is like, there's Vanguard, there's a few others as well, like beta shares. There's these big investment managers. You, can, you guys can Google these terms and see what they do.
1: So Vanguard.
2: Vanguard's one and beta and shares. beta
1: shares, there's, in case you want to research that, yeah. guys.
2: And they have a lot of index funds that they grab to get a lot of money mm-hmm. and they invest in those assets for you. They also, of course, charge a fee. I mean, no one, no one does anything for free. It's not a free yeah, lunch. that's how
0: they make money. It's how they
2: make money. Yeah, and also, it's a lot cheaper overall for you because they generally take, I think, for some index funds, they take about zero point two out of the uh, of the entire investment as a fee. And it's pretty small. And,
1: pretty, and it's yeah. very,
2: very small compared to the fact if you try to replicate by yourself. Yeah, I can guarantee you the fees might be above twenty to thirty percent on a oh. five thousand portfolio.
0: Whoa
2: because you're, you're the brokerage is going to eat a lot of it up
0: and why is it people would invest in doing that versus doing an in-depth
2: fund can you earn more potentially uh we replicating it personally you can earn more because you're not paying that 0.2 percent fee
0: okay but then
2: but on the other side mm-hmm. on, on the flip side is that they could be doing a different strategy which would be better than yours and it benefits from that but that's that's a complexity that yeah. i don't want to go into but yeah that's what an index fund is so index fund oh. is basically a pool of money, money together to invest in an index to track that index so if you put it all together to track the ASX 200 index so basically the fund would buy the composition of the ASX 200 index yeah so the composition is basically based on how much money that business is not normally known as the market capitalization is how much money that business holds in assets and liabilities and equity so, for example, let's just say Telstra, its market calculation is eight hundred million. It's a lot more, obviously. But you know that's what it's composed of. Mm-hmm. So basically, a share that's only got two million. to replicate the index, for Telstra, invest about ninety nine percent of your funds and that two million share, you invest one percent of it. So you put that onto two hundred shares and you replicate the composition of you know who are the top tier companies you put that percentage there. I know it sounds complex, but I guess you can show it well with a chart, a pie chart, mm-hmm. and basically just replicate the composition of how big that company is in the yeah. market. Okay. And that's how the index you know, invests, that's how the fund manager invests. And then when the index goes up or down, the shares and stuff like that, like yeah. every month or so, they reinvest it, that way they have to rebalance it. Right. Basically they track the index to get the same return from the index. So basically if the ASX 200 goes up by 6%, your money will go up by 6% oh, since you're tracking that index.
0: Right. Mm.
2: And that's what an index fund is normally.
0: Would you say it's quite safe to invest in index funds?
2: Generally with diversification being number one rule, yes, you diversify between multiple markets. Yeah. So if so,
0: okay. So so if oil bad. goes
2: down, maybe your mining companies pick up, many of your banking companies pick up, like your ANZs, BHPs. Let's just say, you know, oil at the moment in the doldrums because no one's travelling anywhere. So Woodside a Listed share, you guys may have heard of Woodside Petroleum, they sponsor my beloved Fremantle Dockers. Um,
0: yes, say Frio supporter here, yeah, me too. I oh, really, yeah, yep.
2: so, um, yeah, so I
0: don't support football, so oh, okay. I'll support you. That's disappointing, <laughs> I'm automatically
2: on your side. So oil, oil prices are low at the moment, but the mining companies are performing pretty well. So, what happens is when your Woodside shares are performing pretty poorly, your BHP shares could be going up because sure. basically, fail yeah. yeah. one of BHP's competitors yeah. is closed up. Because they're in Brazil and Brazil's under Corona yeah. really hard. So, so
1: diversification basically lowers your risk.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And also allows you to take returns off of assets that are performing well.
1: And what about dividends?
2: So basically,
1: what is a dividend?
2: Okay. So dividends, basically, some companies pay it, some companies pay high, some pay, companies pay low, but it's basically so what are they a.
1: Paying? They're paying money
2: to the, you for yeah.
1: investing in their company.
2: Yeah. It's a distribution of profits. Sometimes companies are like, well, there's not many opportunities out there.
1: Okay. So it's and, a distribution of profits that yeah. if you are investing okay, can we do can we give an example maybe? Yeah.
2: Okay, I'll talk clear. about the banks, because the banks have got it a lot easier. So NAB generally are pretty consistent with dividends other than this COVID period. Um, they pay about seven percent dividend. So they make money from, you know, loans loaning money at a higher rate and term, giving tender bots to a lower rate. And let's just say they make five billion dollars and they announce a dividend of like say ninety cents per shareholder. Okay. So everyone gets paid, everyone who owns equity yep. in NAB,
1: in NAB yep.
2: gets 90 cents.
1: Okay. And is this paid out or depends on the company? Is this paid out quarterly, per annum, half yearly?
2: Generally, it's paid half yearly. Like okay. there's certain parts in the share market called the dividend period, which is generally called in March and September,
1: okay. where
2: most shares pay their dividends. Banks yep. are not like this. Every, okay. bank, every bank other than CBA pays their dividends yeah. in June, uh, July and December for tax reasons.
1: What I like about the dividend structure yep. is that if I've diversified my portfolio, I might have a few shares of stocks that I own that are giving me a, a cash payout into my bank account. Am I yep, right? Yep. Into my, directly mm. into my bank account as as like a reward or incentive to continue to keep investing my mm. money with them. So that's actual money that I'm seeing half yearly.
2: I wouldn't say it's a reward. I, I, I would say it's kind of like, you know, a share of the profits that you you put your money in there.
1: Okay. Well, I think of it as a reward because I'm like, well, <laughs> oh, I guess it's okay. You know, I guess it's like, a pseudo, I
2: guess it's a pseudo reward, but it's basically you know taking yeah. the risk.
1: So technically, it's and just a profit. It's like they're giving out a share of their profits yep. to everybody that's invested that year yeah. in their yeah. company.
2: Yeah. So what can they can do as well? Generally, most companies give about seventy percent of their profits out in yep. Australia because Australia's got the highest paying dividends. Wow. Basically. I didn't
1: realize that seventy percent.
2: Yeah, seventy percent of profits is generally paid out. Um, Some companies are a lot less, like healthcare, healthcare, they don't pay any out because they always have to keep up to date, like with the newest viruses and stuff like that. Yep. With mining and other companies and banks, they don't really have many opportunities to reinvest in, in their business. Like they continue providing the same service they do, you know, generally.
0: Sure.
2: And mining companies generally, sometimes the commodity is not profitable. Like let's say, for example, let's just say irons at like $20 a ton, which is ridiculously low. They're, they're not going to reinvest into an iron mine. They'd be like, well, we've got no opportunities. We'll give it back to the shareholders. And sometimes they're like, oh, okay, gold's like $20 million. We've got our gold mine that you know we've uh, mothballed in, let's say, South Australia. We can start it up again, but we'll pay a lesser dividend because we're reinvesting it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's how the dividend conversation comes up for a company is that, okay. do we have any projects that we can reinvest into?
1: If not, we'll pay it out. So that's really interesting. So, yeah, uh, basically we've just covered diversification and investing in index funds and investing in companies
0: that pay out a dividend. To me, um, with the dividend, it makes no sense. Like if you're investing money and only getting, what, this 90 cents back or... 90 cents per share. But it's per share.
2: Per share. So So if you've got a
0: 1,000
2: you get $90. You
1: get 90 bucks, yeah.
2: There's also another thing I want to talk about as well, there's franking credits because
1: yeah.
2: every election, especially the last election, they were quarrying about that franking credits, there's franking credits that. So what franking credits is, okay, there's a bigger argument called a double tax argument. You guys can look at that. Mm. But basically what it is, is a refund to the person who's invested in that company for the corporate tax that's been paid on that dividend. So let's just go quickly into what happens. That company pays its own tax, right? Of, I think it's about 28.5% and, it, and then it pays out of its profits to the individual who also pays their tax, their own tax rate. So what a franking credit is, is basically a refund on that corporate tax rate that the person, individual shouldn't be paying because yeah. they should be paying nil tax if they're, let's just say they're under the tax-free threshold
1: yeah.
2: and that's what franking credits are designed to remedy. Now you can see, like, you can be like, oh, hang on, this isn't unfair, because it isn't. A lot of people use franking credits to scare people because they don't understand it. And that's what, exactly what it is. It's just a a deserved payback on tax you shouldn't be paying.
1: Interesting. Well, we are probably going to have to wrap up this section Part one, part one, and yeah. um, we've got a few more questions we want to pick your brains out about.
0: <laughs> oh, so stay seated, Josh. Yeah, yeah. don't could, don't go anywhere.
2: I could be here all day <laughs> and maybe week and maybe yeah at this rate. He's
0: like, oh my gosh, these girls this are gonna ask passion. me so many questions. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting stuff, though. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very. I'm gonna have to listen to this a few times myself to really absorb Just to the information. Over, yeah, get
1: get our heads around it. But yeah, really really interesting stuff. So stay tuned, guys, and we'll see you on the other end in part two.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Bye. All right. Bye. See ya.
2: See ya.